0: Welcome, my lords, to the White City, where you will learn more about Middle-earth and discover differences and similarities between the Rings of Power show and Tolkien's books, and whether Amazon's show, episode by episode, is worth watching. I'm Philip Dutt, your host, and I'll be joined by Matt Vandevort and Mark Shafer. I hope you enjoy. Well, welcome everybody to the White City, uh, with Philip and Matt back, and Hello. Mark Schaefer to join us. How's it yep, going? Welcome, Mark. Yeah, glad to have you here. Um, so yeah, so kind of, I want to start with a little bit of a, kind of a recap on some of the things that have happened over the past few episodes, and I guess, what do you guys think of the quality of the, of the show so far? Not in terms of like Middle Earth, but just the quality of it.
1: Oh, I think it's... Great. I think it's it's a very fun watch. I, I've enjoyed watching it and seeing the sort of interspersal of epic fantasy moments with uh, fantasy hijinks. Um, yeah. I like it so far. Yeah, it's
2: clearly put a lot of like money and into the show and a lot of people care a lot about the show, which is really cool. I guess I'll say like Amazon did spend like more money on this than like the whole trilogy. So like for that much money, I'm a little bit surprised with like some of the moments in the show, but all in all it's like a great watch and like yeah, probably better than most of the shows out there in terms of quality and effort Mm, they put into
1: it. Production values Mm -hmm. is pretty good. Except for Elrond's hair. (laughs) I'm not gonna let this go. I (laughs) give him long hair, you
0: cowards.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's not Steve from Stranger Things.
0: No, I see the the only thing that I thought might be lacking in the first few episodes was, I wasn't really like on the edge of my seat, kind of. Like, oh, I'm really anticipating the next episode, that kind of a thing. I just feel like action was lacking. And I think that was maybe one reason, but
1: yeah, I I, I get what you're saying. I think. I'm starting now to get more invested in it, but it hasn't like captured my attention in the way that like other similar fantasy shows have, which again is kind of surprising to me because it's surprising and not surprising because as a Lord of the Rings show, like because it's not the Lord of the Rings itself, I've gone into this with a very sort of non-committal attitude towards it. And so there was nothing in it that was like, "Oh man, I really want to see this show set in this world." This is like, "Oh, They're making a show set in this world. Neat. (laughs) Um, Yeah, But I think over, especially the last couple of episodes, um, they've definitely hit on some things that I'm getting more invested in. Like Halbrand's story, I like that. I'm starting to get more invested in that. And really, it is the things that aren't directly tied to book characters that I'm more invested in. So it's like, the hobbit story because the hobbits are great and the uh the whole thing in the southlands with that elf and the girl and her son that i still i still think he could be a nazgul Hmm. eventually um because again i think i think like the rings were given to king's men and like sorcerers and stuff so this kid, like, they use like the magic of the sword. So he yeah, could possible. he could I I still think he's gonna be a Nazgul. I also like you said you'd heard ideas that oh, what's his name? I just said it. The king. The Southlands King. Yeah. Halbrand. Uh, Halbrand. Halbran. Halbran. Yeah, that yeah. just completely slipped my mind. You said you'd heard ideas that he might be a Nazgul, which I also kinda like that idea.
2: The idea is that like he might go back to the Southlands and be like an anti Aragorn where like he's about to unite the people against Sauron and then ends up like turning and Submitting to Sauron oh, is sort of that'd the be idea. Cool. Um, yeah. yeah, I think something that the show is really interesting is like it feels like the show has sort of lacked direction in their first couple episodes. Like, I know what the show like sort of the beats it wants to like. Numenor will probably show up, but it's always hard to know it. Like, what is what's going to come in the next episode? What am I really looking forward to like watching this week? And I feel like that something maybe the show has struggled a little bit with. With like, I like. I'm not like, oh, I want to see where the show ends, but it's sort of like hard to be like, where what's the
1: next step they're going to take? Um, yeah. I think the first couple of episodes especially, because they released both of them at once, I think that they were trying in episode two to sort of set up the the show's sort of purpose and ethos. Because the first episode was very much like, look, hobbits, look, elves, look, it's the Lord of the Rings. Please watch our show. Um but then the second one you start to get a little bit more into the story beats. Not as much, but a little bit more. And then, um finally, I think in episode three getting to Numenor and Episode Four starting to show kinda of what's happening in the Southlands. Like at the the end where um the the innkeeper guy is just like, Haha, I am a Sauron worshipper. Yeah. It's just like okay. I'm a- interested to see where this is going so i think definitely these last couple episodes have definitely sort of started to be like this is where we're taking it i think they could have sped it up a little bit well it's
2: interesting like it seems like adar might be sauron or is likely to be sauron but we still don't have like we have like oh there's like sauron's back but like we still don't have them like concretely or like as a super anti gladriel character yet in this show so it's sort of like right it's yeah. lacking sort of that confrontation it's, with and, the big baddie as well i think
0: i know like we've kind of touched on this before there hasn't been anything like magical that's really been going on i mean and i don't i mean that a is, magic with the sword that was okay nice you're stuff. right okay sure right but nothing on like the good side of things
1: yeah although again my impression of Lord of the Rings has always been like it's a very like epic magic setting, but it's also a very like soft magic setting where like um like you you very rarely see Gandalf like casting spells. There's just sort of this whole idea of like these people are magical in nature. Yeah. And really the ones that do use like specific systematized sort of magic does tend to be um the the more sinister characters and you could take that and like you could look at that through um several lenses as to what that means but like if you think about it like you've got the most obvious example being the rings um that have sort of vague-ish powers, but, like, very definitively powers that they can do. Like, the One Ring will turn uh, Frodo and Bilbo invisible. Like, that's a pretty obvious thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Then, like, all of the artifacts sort of tend to be more evil things. Like, even the Silmarils, which are, like, these beacons of purity and goodness, are sort of... Their creation is a little bit sinister in that it's uh, Fanor sort of trapping the light of the trees in these jewels, and then he just becomes super possessive of them, and everyone that tries to get them, like, they cause so much harm, and so much disturbance and destruction. And so I think that, on the good side, like, there aren't really any good artifacts, other than the file that Galadriel gives Frodo. It's the one counterexample I can come up with. Yeah, But, like, the items that the good guys have are all like legendary swords and things like that that aren't inherently magical
2: well i think it's a interesting point because like yeah tolkien's universe is like the opposite of say like the harry potter universe where like anybody can learn magic it's like about these simple spells whereas like tolkien like you said like this magic is like an extension of being like it's not really like that you cast a spell you sort of are a magical person yeah um and then like mm-hmm. you said in the thing of, like the hobbit where there were like a lot of like doors making magical toys like it's a lot about creation but i think you're absolutely right that like we haven't seen any of like this like anybody using magical items or magical like things that like it's very much like um not a magical universe except for like this one random sword and yeah that's shown up and that's a really interesting choice by the creators
0: yeah right so we don't really have much to go off of for who that who like the main evil guy is right now. But so the and name that Sauron, he has. That's my guess. <laughs> yeah. But the name that he has, is that a name from the from the books, or is that just he, the name they made up or do you know?
1: I'll have to check.
0: So
2: I have checked it is not a okay. name from the
0: books. So, so Sauron has a like
2: it's an Anatar or something Anatar, or yeah, Lord it's, of gifts. Yeah. Um, but that is not this a-, 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 a R or whatever yeah, is not one that's well, used yeah. in the books. Um
1: the elf whose name I can never remember says that it means father. Why do the orcs call you father?
2: I had his name just a second ago. It's um It
0: is like the the, the Elf's name or Yeah, what's the elf's name? The elf's name is Wow. Um, we should have like a list of is, the cast like, characters or is, Oh come do. on! I know it. I I had the thing down. I had his name down. Um, yeah, they don't have and,
1: Adar in the. Some, brilliant some brilliant brilliant dictionary. Yeah. I wonder if it's in one of the like fan-created conlangs, because like maybe. people have expanded. Like there are editions of the Lord of the Rings that have been printed in Elvish, <laughs> so it might be that they just took a generally agreed upon. Fan Conling and pulled the word from that. <laughs> or it could be in something, another one of uh, Tolkien's works. Yeah. That's
2: funny. It's also totally possible that, like, at this point, Sauron can transform. So it's also possible, like, Sauron is another character in the show besides just this 8R person, if he is this person, just person. Or, like, Arfazon or whatever. Maybe it's well, Gladriel. I'm just kidding. Okay. Yeah.
1: Farazan yeah. is definitely not. Because Farazan is uh, a character fair. who. He might be being influenced, though, so we, oh, we just yeah, don't I know where like Sauron
2: is. will pop up in this show, I think, is sort of the fun part, besides I, obviously with the orcs.
1: I can't think of a reason to introduce a elf-like character leading orcs if it is not Sauron or somebody connected to Sauron. A red
2: herring, perhaps?
1: Perhaps, but I, I think if it's not Sauron, which, again, I, granted, I think you might be right. I think it's definitely somebody connected to Sauron. I do kind of like the idea that it could be a dark elf even though none of the elves sided with Sauron in the final battle. So, who knows if there are even dark elves left at this point. Um, but again, why would the orcs call him father as opposed to anything else? Um, it's also It's Morgoth, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very interesting to like uh, it's always described that, like
2: Sauron would like appear as fair as possible, right? And like this elf has sort of, like some scarring on him, like just not like sort of like the, um, sort of the Sauron character. Counterpoint:
1: He's appearing this way to the orcs. Mm, that's fair. And so I don't think the orcs would be super happy about a super pretty boy-looking elf, <laughs> um, whereas giving him some sort of battle scars and burn scars and things like that um would i i think that would fit with a character of somebody like sauron who would be too proud to to make himself look like an orc but would still want to influence the orcs and so would look kind of ugly to uh our standards but might look attractive to an orc
2: ador has this like line where he says like you were born by the mouth of the tree the river in Beleriand, and- he says, like, I was there when I was young or something, which is a very interesting thing for Maiar to say, whereas it would make more sense if it was an elf. It might be something like when Sauron was See, first came to Middle-earth.
1: This is why I think so. it might be a dark elf. <laughs> yeah. Because I believe it's Ale is the name of the dark elf that... No, he dies in Gondolin. Never mind. It doesn't make as much sense. But the one dark elf that you get a lot of interaction with is the guy who forges... Uh Angliciel and Anguriel, which are the two swords forged from meteoric iron. Um and I think that he lives in that area. Interesting. In the Silverland. I think he's described as living in sort of the by the mouths of the river in the south part of Beleriand.
2: Um But my thought was that like, if this really was Sauron, I'm guessing he's been over Middle Earth quite kind of a lot at this point. I mean oh, yeah. in the late second age, so it would be there more than once. Um Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I think it could definitely be Sauron because Again, he would have traveled... He does travel... He turns into a wolf in the, in the Silmarillion.
2: And is sort of like Morgoth's main minion, and so yeah, while yeah. Morgoth so is mostly holed up, he is the one sort of yeah, battlefield yeah. commander and sort of deal.
1: Or even uh, before, back when you have... Like, you could argue that when he's younger is back before the Ages of the Sun, because mm-hmm. Sauron was the one in charge of Angband when Atumno was the main fortress... Right. So Sauron would have been in Beleriand more than Morgoth was. So there's a yeah, I, that's true. I, again, Occam's razor here. I think uh, it's likely. Sauron. It's likely Sauron.
0: With the, all the fuss they're making of like trying to find Sauron, you know, it only makes sense that he appears like right now or we at need least to have him some somewhere point in the now show. soon.
1: Honestly, I think if they had named him as Sauron, I would be less inclined to believe it was Sauron. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, I think they're still sort of trying to... (gasps) I think they're still trying to play up the sort of element of, oh, who could it be for the people that are watching this that aren't, you know, hardcore Tolkien fans? Yeah. I think they're still sort of trying to to play up this idea of, like, who is this mysterious figure? I wonder who it could be. But everybody everybody that knows is, like, immediately going to be like, that's Sauron, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) So...
0: Because there's... I mean, S- Sauron has, like, this history of, like, hiding from people after, like, defeats and oh, all yeah. that, right? Yeah, so. yeah. Especially after the
2: First Age, he's sort of, like, yeah. starts out very much of a... Like, whenever you meet him in Lord of the Rings, he's sort of, like, much more... He's, like, the most biggest, baddest person on Middle-earth, whereas after the First Age, he sort of is, like... Um, there are a lot of people who could take him out, so he's more yeah. scared.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Hmm. So, like, with the, with the Tower... I know you had mentioned like it's gonna be kind of it might be turned out to be a Helms Deep scenario. Um, it does I mean, look very Helms Deep. Because it's, uh, I feel like they need something like that because there hasn't been something like that yet. Whether there's gonna be like you know a a, a, a big battle scene yeah, or something. Scene. I just I,
2: saw it and was like, this is this seems like a place where they want to do an action scene. That was my only thought. But yes.
1: But, I'm going to make a slightly different prediction. I'm going to predict that it will be Elf, whose name we cannot remember, and his girlfriend, uh, escaping from the rest of the humans. Because, you've got the innkeeper dude, who is apparently loyal to Sauron, and you've got her son, who may or may not be, I think he's going to be a Nazgul, has already done blood magic with the sword. Um And his, uh, probably Sauron's ultimatum to that settlement is uh, basically join me or die. Um, Or as the show puts it, join me or fade to black. Um, (laughs) uh, So I think that if they do an action sequence there, I bet you it'll be more along the lines of they start going, the humans start going for the elf. Because the elf is their enemy, and uh, they they escape and then go off to I don't know probably meet up with the Numenorians when they come in.
2: That seems really reasonable, actually. Like they they seem to very much be focused on this hatred between the elves and the men and yeah. the animosity there, and so the idea that they would favor Sauron over the elf doesn't yeah. seem very far fetched at all.
1: Um, which again could you you could go into. Halbrand coming in and being fully on board, potentially coming back from, uh, coming back and, you know, rallying his people. But then as soon as he sees, Oh, all these people are already loyal to Sauron. Like you, I could totally see it. Cause he, he doesn't seem like the most honorable chap. Um, Mm -hmm. So I could definitely see him being like, ah, this is what we're doing. Or, Ooh, other idea they leave him in númenor and when they inevitably bring sauron back to númenor sauron uses him as one of his main sort of tools in getting the númenorians to uh completely mess up and get yeah. the whole island destroyed
0: cuz that's another thing like aren't there black Numenorians it's said yeah, with there are, Sauron. there
1: are, yeah, um, like...
0: The mouth of Sauron
1: the mouth is one of them. Sauron. Sauron, um, and it's kind of implied that a lot of the, uh, like Angmar and people like that are... A lot are, of the, are assumed to be the, to be the just, Nazgul are. Because, because again, you have, like, um...
0: Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. Um, you
1: have, like... <laughs> let's see. You've got... So a lot of the Nazgul are named. But you've got the Witch King just of Angmar. Just two, actually, are named. There's the Witch King of Angmar, and there's... And there's, like,
2: Carmul, who's oh, the second in right. command. That's right, it's Carmel. Actually, oh. like, this is so, my favorite piece of, like, Tolkien lore, is that Carmul takes over in Dol Goldur, so, like, Sauron leaves that to go to, like, Mordor, and I, I could talk about it for right. a long time, yeah, yeah, but Carmul yeah. stays in. Carmel's now, what also... about
0: Gothmog? Is that just the orc leader... And so
1: Gothmog, you want to say, him? is um, the Balrog, the leader of the Balrogs, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, He's the one who kills Feanor and is plays a very significant okay. role in the yeah, First stage. Yeah. And the character Gothmog in the movies right. is just created for the movies, right. But it kind of it, it's not. It makes sense because also, um, Grand, the big battering ram that batters down the doors of Minas Tirith, is named after Morgoth's mace.
2: But it is like if an orc general was gonna name himself or be given a name yeah, like yeah, yeah. a Gothmog would probably be a pretty reasonable yeah. one. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Fun fact the actor that, that played sense. Gothmog is the same actor that plays at least one or two of the Orcai. Interesting. In the fellowship. And I think he might like he might fight Aragorn at some point. I think he, I think it's the guy that Aragorn fights right after Boromir dies. It's the same actor in different orc prosthetics
2: yeah actually they said like one of the actors who played some of the orcs in mordor returned for like the role in the last episode where the orc that cuts the guy's throat is actually like the orc that almost eats marion pippin um, the uh two towers so
1: very cool also Uh another one of the orcs that aragorn kills at some point in the trilogy i think it's an orc is uh um the actor's son That's really funny, actually. Yeah, they they brought him into uh, uh, Vigo Mortensen. That's who it is. Yeah, it's his son. uh, Because his son was the reason he ended up actually taking the role, because he had not read The Lord of the Rings when he was cast as Aragorn. That's right. Anyways, very long tangent about a different Mm -hmm. part of the (laughs) movies. Anyways.
0: So, one thing I thought was interesting in in this episode, episode four, was um, when the queen like is having this decision to go like take Gladiol back to yeah. middle earth i felt like cuz like the whole idea right behind númenor being destroyed is that the númenorians have like kind of split their ties with the elves
1: yeah well so, is it <sighs> that's the way they're portraying it so far i think what's going to happen it's númenor has sort of been on decline because they split from the elves um i think the queen's gonna go over and die in the fight she's gotta because our pharazon um becomes the next king and so she or he is the one that defeats sauron (laughs) And brings Sauron back in chains, and then gets completely corrupted by Sauron, and is like, you know what a great idea is? Let's go invade the land of the gods, and then that's when the fall of Numenor actually happens, is because he decided that fighting power, uh, what's the word? Omnipotent. Omnipotent yeah, near-omnipotent, uh, angelic beings is a great idea. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think it's really interesting. The Fall of Numenor, I think, is where you can see some of Tolkien's, like, Christian influence most clearly. Oh, yeah. Um, but the, the Numenorans have sort of this progression where first they hate the Eldar word, which are, like, the elves, um, because they have, like, immortal lifespans and they, yeah. like, keep hungering for more. And eventually they'll end up hating the Valar, who are, like, yeah. the gods or angels of Middle-earth. And declaring war on them—that's what causes their downfall. And sort of at this show, at this point, we have like this: some people hate the Eldar, and some people don't, and that's very much in line with Tolkien's yeah, idea yeah, of Numenor, yeah. which is really cool.
1: I think the general political and cultural atmosphere they've given to Numenor um, has been pretty spot on. Uh, really, really, in terms of like culture of various things, they haven't. I think they've gotten everything basically right.
2: Yeah, I've been very impressed with like um, just like Numenor and the Hobbits and the Southlands. All of it just feels like very Lord of Rings and very yeah. Tolkien, especially Numenor. I thought
1: was well done. Yeah, Numenor um, is so good. The one thing is, I wish, I hope we can get some flashbacks to back when Numenor was like in its prime, hmm. because like the one annoying thing about it is just like man, they're all kind of terrible people, <laughs> which lines up with the story. Um, but is is pretty annoying because I like seeing epic fantasy cultures and I want to see it when it
0: was mm-hmm. at its prime. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, I'm glad that I get to see it. I hope that they. Yeah, I mean, there there are going to be eight episodes total in this season, so only they're, eight. Like four, they're like oh, four, like so four. We're more. halfway there. Four, yeah, oh, okay, three, four more basically. That yeah. thing was
1: off my idea because I was gonna yeah. say because we talked beforehand, we talked about how they might be building towards the Balrog with the dwarves. Yeah. Um, which, again, I don't think they're... I, well, I don't know if they'll do the Balrog this season. I was going to say, if they did the Balrog this season, originally I was going to say that they do it like at the halfway point of the season. But that, this was the halfway point of the season. So that's Maybe they'll
0: make that the thing. Balrog for the dwarves and the Fall of Numenor for the yeah, men at the, the same time. The one
1: problem I have with that is that... Um, they just found Mithril. <laughs> so, like, the timeline... I, I'm pretty... I'd be surprised if they don't do something with the Balrog eventually. Right. Um, But, like, they've got to give the dwarves some time to forge Mithril. Um, I see so what you're saying I think there's going to be a time skip at some point. Be that later, like, a few episodes end of the season and towards the end of the season or when they make a season two, cause it's been renewed for a second season, right?
2: I'm sure. I yeah. mean, if Amazon can make money off of I, it, I'm sure they'll greenlight a second season. Yeah, yeah. They've,
0: I can't, there are a certain amount of seasons that they've said they're going to okay. make. Okay. And I mean, and all the stuff that I've seen throughout the previous years was that there are also like spinoffs that could happen and yeah. side stories. What I wanna, but
1: what I wanna, what I'd love to see is season one ends with fall of Numenor. Season two is like the initial creation of um, Gondor and Arnor. Because, like, we don't have anything about how those kingdoms were created. It's just, like, they showed up, and then at some point, there were kingdoms that they these people founded. So I'd love to see a sort of, um, like, a season two that focuses mainly on, like, the conquests of the North and the South. Yeah,
2: um, it's really interesting to me, because, like, at this point, we have, like, Isildur and Elendil being sort of, like, um, like, major characters. But it's interesting like, they, yeah. they will become kings eventually, right? Yeah, yeah, they'll yeah. become, like, lords of Middle-earth. Um, and they'll found these, like, large kingdoms that will eventually, like, join the last lines of elves and men and be attacked by Sauron and all that. Um, but it's sort of interesting that like, Isildur seems a little bit like a whiny child at this point. Um, though Elendil seems, like, very well portrayed. <laughs> but.
1: uh Anarion being forever the least interesting of the trio
2: <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting because um, it's actually Isildur who founds Ithilien and Anarion who founds Gondor but yeah. like people don't remember that because Anarion dies and so Isildur takes over the throne of Gondor well, yeah, but, um, it's...
1: I'm trying to think well Ithilien is part of Gondor Sildor? well there's like two there's Arnor... brother kingdoms who so, are right next to each other so but then
2: Sauron takes over Ithilien well, there's... and then it's like pretty much just totally destroyed um...
1: Minas Ithil, which is mm-hmm. Minas Morgul. I always thought Ithilien was just, um, like.
0: String. That chord, oh, so. Sorry. Yeah, no, I,
1: I always thought Ithilien was just, like, the easternmost part of Gondor, because Arnor is up in the north, which was the mm-hmm. other Yeah, no, that's I, Elendil's kingdom. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Elendil's up there, but and
2: then. At, originally, it was its own kingdom, but then it sort of becomes part of Gondor. Um, but yeah that's very okay. interesting because anarian huh. plays this like pretty vital role in that he yeah but founds he, the major kingdom of he the dies
1: Wolverine. and then isildur's nephew becomes the king of arnor um i believe yes. it's not isildur because like it's very important that aragorn is the heir of isildur he is not the descendant of isildur um well, he's related by blood, but not... Yeah, like, he's related um, by blood, but he's not directly like in the, the direct line of Because that silver. line ends. Mm-hmm. Because that line ends when that one Gondorian king is like, I'm going to go into Mordor and fight
0: a guy. Well, he challenges, he the, witch witch king witch king. He challenges the witch king to duel, and they betray him, and, and probably torture him to death. then he's never
1: heard from again. Yeah. Surprise. Surprise. of Middle Earth, yeah. Wow.
2: Shocker. <laughs> there's so much I don't know. Yeah. It's also, it's like all pretty tragic. If you do don't know, like, the really Sumerian is like pretty much a tragedy. Like, there's like... Yeah.
0: It's only like there's like moments of good, but then like brilliant. it goes back and yeah. forth. And then, yeah, yeah. I've also read fun. the Children of Shere, and that seems to be the same. Yeah, yeah. Oh, It's yeah. very depressing. You think same of like thing.
2: even the Lord of the yeah. Rings. It's like it all starts very tragic, and then like it has like the big turning point at the end. Mm-hmm. But, well, it has yeah.
1: the big turning point at the end, but it's also sad because it's the end of the age of elves and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's it's the age of it's men. Tragedy, and mid-term. it's just like you're losing all this beauty. It's a very tragic story, but it's also a very beautiful story um, because it's like hopeful. Um, Did you know that he started to write a sequel to the Lord of the Rings?
2: I did not know. He
1: wrote like 14 pages of the sequel. And it's like after the war and it's like Aragorn is really old. And uh, basically like it has, it had this part about like the, the kids that had grown up after the war, like playing like orcs and humans and people aren't taking the evil seriously. That's fascinating. And, he just was like, This is too depressing. I can't write this because it's just like everything they won in the Lord of the Rings just kind of gets forgotten. And it's something about like So he
2: couldn't do like the Star Wars where it's just like, We're just gonna reset everything and yeah, the yeah, Empire's yeah. back. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, no. He like he Death was Star. just
1: like, I can't write this, it's too depressing. So I it's I can't remember what it's called, but it I think it like would it revolved around like a cult of people in Gondor that were worshiping Sauron. Wow. and Yeah, so, but he just decided this is too depressing, so he never finished it. And it was only, like, again, like, I think it's like, 14 that's, pages.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I know I, kind of along those lines, um, Shapiro had mentioned something about how, you know it wasn't Shapiro, actually. I don't know if that was Shapiro. We I think admit it was. We're
2: getting advice from other people.
0: Hmm. <laughs> What? Nothing. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> but no, I think actually, I don't know if it was that it, it was def Maybe it was world news that came out with a review on um, the, on the show. And they said how like people didn't like um, Peter Jackson's or Peter Jackson's movies because it had a good ending as though like things were getting better when in fact, like things, Never really got better throughout like the whole history of Middle earth. Um, huh.
2: Well, Tolkien, like the books do have a almost like a heavenly ending. You read this part where like Frodo is like woken up, and he has like you know, the movies they have like all his like fellowship there, but in the movie, it's like this feast and party that he wakes up to, so it's like very much like a Wedding supper of the Lamb, sort of thing I from mean, Christian mythology. There is always this like moment of bitterness, that like Frodo never fully recovers from yeah. it, and so he has to go to the West. Yeah, right. but like Middle Earth as a whole does really get better, um, at least in the life of Aragorn. Yeah, past that, there's not much
0: more. Hmm. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, so. that's interesting. I mean, the
1: books have yeah. like five endings <laughs> sequentially, so you can pick which one you find the best. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that was the happy ending.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think they were trying to. They I think they were trying to parallel it with, just you know, things in our world don't really get better, right? Well, it's interesting,
2: um, just because like Tolkien's work is like sort of this. Uh, I mean, it came out like in the nineteen fifties and nineteen sixties after World War II, when everyone else was writing this like intensely reactionary, like not sorry, not like but, like intensely depressing stories of like the world is meaningless yeah. and there's no real good guys or bad guys, and then Tolkien comes out the story where like we have like a dark Lord and there's like magic and there's like the small acts of simple people that like take on the great evil of the world. Um, and so like, it was this like very romantic and like classic sort of story, even though it has many modern themes in it yeah. That's sort of like intentionally reacting against a culture and age of hopelessness. Um,
1: yeah, I think that's true. I think one thing that is uh, who we just brought up too is that it's interesting. The, um, the fact that Frodo is never whole again, Mm-hmm. Um, I think that can reflect Tolkien's experience as a soldier in World War One. that like even though he's come back even though the great horror is over um, he still carries that with him and I think that's sort of his reaction that's his response specifically to the whole sort of uh, there's no good there's no bad in the world kind of thought is that like no bad things happen and you will carry that with you until i think it's a pretty clear parallel of like until you go to heaven and have achieve your final rest your truest rest um but again it's personal and like you see things like um i mean obviously the scourging of the shire is kind of tolkien's example of like things can hit very close to home but then after the scourging of the shire you have you know um Sam replants the party tree and you have all these sort of life goes on and the hobbits continue to thrive and uh, kind of that there will be those that have to make the sacrifice and have to do the hard things and carry those things with them but I think just as it's sort of a good message to those that have gone through the hard things that um, you may have to carry something with you until you have rest um, it's very important that the last part of the lord of the rings i know in the movies i think also in the books is sam coming home after sending them off and his his last words are well i'm back and so it's it's kind of that reminder that like yeah you've done you've gone through these horrible things but it was for something so yeah, I, I thought
2: the books ended with Sam actually going to Valley Nor as well. I can't remember Frodo. if maybe that's in an appendix. I it don't might know. be maybe an I'm appendix, wrong. but um, um, that is a part of well, the story got as well. Right so here. yeah, busted open. But um, I was going to say about the Frodo not feeling well at the end also is like a. It's like it definitely probably reflects Tolkien's war experience as well, but also like the spiritual Christian oh, yeah. idea of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, on this earth, even though we might overcome and have spiritual victories, we'll never be fully whole until we arrive at heaven, like you said. So do you have some mm-hmm. questions you want to ask us while I look it up? You know,
1: the I mean, honestly, have you guys
2: heard the joke where it's like? the doctor says to Tolkien, like, I'm sorry, sir, your appendix is inflamed, we're gonna to have to remove it and he's like, But well, that's where I explain why the elves hit the dwarves and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, the last sorry. the last line is well yeah. I'm back. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So,
1: nice work. Yeah.
0: What else about Sauron would be good for people to know? Anything like what are back there, there are backstories that maybe we haven't talked about yet.
2: Um, so one thing I always think of, like, the show has Rings of Power, so they're probably going to create the Rings of Power. So, maybe this is a spoiler, but Sauron does help create the Rings of Power, except for the three Elven rings. So, right. look out and for a part where they met Elrond, yeah. uh, maybe look out for a part where Elrond, like, separates himself out from them or helps make them without the influence well, of yeah. Sauron. Yeah. So.
1: Celebrimbor is the one that actually crafted the three rings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, so if... If Adar is not Sauron and is just a particularly grumpy elf that is siding with him, I think that, um, I think that Sauron is already. I, I am almost certain that Sauron has already been in contact with Calibrimbor. because I'm. Right. Pretty I mean that's that's the
0: whole like whole thing, right? Is that yeah. There? I'm. Why does su- an
1: immortal elf
2: need to complete a thing by spring? That's my question. Yeah, right? yeah.
1: I think that <laughs> the tower that yeah. he's building the designs were either explicitly given to him by Sauron or Sauron helped him design them because like <laughs> it's pretty obvious the thing they're going to make with them is the rings and so i think that Sauron has already been in contact with Celebrimbor i think that Celebrimbor might already have the designs for the um, for the rings My the two kind of trains of thought i have about this are either that Celebrimbor wants this thing completed by spring because Sauron has given him a deadline and that's when they're going to craft all the rings. Or they've already crafted most of the rings Mm. and Celebrimbor is getting suspicious of Anatar, and wants to complete this thing by spring so that he can craft his three rings before Sauron shows up and before Sauron knows about it.
2: Do you think Celebrimbor is eager to get his ring
1: by spring? Ah, ah
0: yeah, yeah, Thank you. Uh, um, yeah. Um, yeah,
1: because so the One Ring clearly hasn't been crafted yet because Mordor doesn't exist yet. Um, and the One Ring is crafted last. And the so. One Ring is crafted last. Yeah. So I think that I think that they might go the direction in the show that Sauron may because he had his hand in the creation of all the other rings, he might not at this point need the one ring to, to carry out his plan. And so what they may do is have it be like Celebrimbor wants to get this thing built so that he can craft these powerful rings without Sauron's knowledge. Sauron finds out that these other rings that are not under his control have been made. And then he goes and creates the one ring so that the ring can control the other rings Um and that might be the that that could be a direction they're going with it.
0: But the One Ring doesn't have like any power over the Elven Rings, right? No, it does.
1: Oh, it does. It does. Yeah, it has power over all of the rings. It has
2: less power though over the three. rings. it has less
1: power over the three rings. But like at the end of the Lord of the Rings, when the ring is destroyed, the reason all the elves leave is because they were using they were using the Elven Rings powers to maintain. Lothlorien, and Rivendell, and those sorts of places. Uh, And now that the One Ring has been destroyed, their power is... because ultimately the power of all of the Rings of Power derives from Sauron. And so, Sauron's power now being completely... not completely destroyed, but mostly destroyed. Right. um, Yeah. It's... uh, because that's... because it's been played out that way, they can no longer preserve... The good places of the earth uh, for the elves and so that's why they okay.
0: leave so who has the third elven ring Is- Elrond has one? Elrond, Elrond has Galadriel. the Ring of Air. Galadriel, Galadriel has, has the Ring of water. water. And
1: Gandalf has the Ring of Fire, although he gets what? it from Sirdan. Cirdan. The leader of the Great Havens. Oh, yes, Something. right.
0: He's that shipbuilder, right? Mm-hmm. Which yeah. really makes more
1: sense for him to have the Ring of Water because, you know, he's a shipbuilder. <laughs> yeah, they whatever. didn't really
2: like plan out know, like, oh, we want the Water Kingdom to <laughs> Honestly, have yeah.
1: it. would, except for Gandalf having fire powers, um, it, it would make more sense if Galadriel had the Ring of Fire and certain had the Ring of Water.
2: It's also a little weird because Elrond creates this like giant flood in Rivendell, but he doesn't have the Ring of Water. He's the Ring yeah. Of Air, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess so, that would
1: be an example of like specific spell magic yeah. on the good side. That would be the one. Well, it's
2: not. It's not like about specific spell magic. giving. it's like this like controlling of an area or space. Rivers. Like Ladriel always like. Gandalf does horse put can't. horses
1: in the river though. Water he horses. does.
2: That's true. Also, there's a very specific scene that we're talking about magic and Lord Shape of the Rings. Water. Where Gandalf, when they're being chased by the Balrog, he seals the door behind them with a spell That's very true. specifically, and the Balrog specifically casts a counter spell to it. So, like, there is sort of this idea of like uh, yeah. counter this magic. Interesting.
0: To, yeah, I think about the. uh... Well, I kind of go back to the Ring, and in, in that Shadow, of, the Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor games, they they build their own ring. They build their own ring because. Nice. Uh, um. Celebrimbor? Celebrimbor, yeah, comes back yeah from so, the dead. From so, the dead? That's yeah. pretty wild. Doesn't he's he, a, like,
1: possess the ranger that yeah, you're playing? Yeah, he does.
0: <laughs> yeah, if he's, he becomes a wraith, and then he comes after the creature. So, Anyways, okay. it's just kind of a That's fan. Here's another thing some fan, uh, that I hope they there. do
1: that has not been explored in any uh, Lord of the Rings thing other than, I guess, Shadow of War and Shadow of Mordor is that in The Hobbit, um, when Bilbo gets the ring... Are not? No, not in The Hobbit, in the Lord of the Rings, when Frodo and Gandalf are talking about the ring, they're talking about how there are all these, like, there are a ton of lesser magical rings out there, um, because it couldn't be any of the main rings of power, because the dwarven ones are, like, all destroyed, or Sauron already has them. Um, the nine rings are with the wraiths, and Gandalf knows where the three elven rings are. So he mentions there are many rings of power out there. So it's like there are lots of, I I think part of it is that there's the 21 great rings of power, but like we could see them crafting a bunch of other smaller, less powerful rings. Um, And I kind of hope that they bring that in because it's just like, yeah, no, there's totally other magical rings in the Lord of the Rings that are offhandedly mentioned once and then never again. I guess the only other sort of important ring is the ring of brandy Bar here. Bar here, yeah. Um again, it's been a long time. Since On Aragorn's ring. finger yeah. which that's signifies the Yeah, also that when he's... the Baron
0: that's yeah yes. ring, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Signifies. So so descendant the descendant of the
1: Dane, So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh that's the only other ring, and it's not really even implied to be magical; it's just, just super heirloom, fancy, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. just shiny. Yeah. Um,
2: but to get back to your question about the what are things we need to know about Sauron, um, I don't know if you guys saw this last episode, but Sauron plays a huge role in the downfall of Numenor yeah, and yeah. sort of like a yeah pretending to be a benevol- benevolent, like here, let me help you out with some power and help you guys live longer lives, and the end ends up turning them yeah. against the Valar. So then, how
0: about like with Morgoth though? Like, how does what is like how does Morgoth and him eventually like get together and it's like
1: Oh well he follows Morgoth at the beginning. Morgoth is Sauron is a Maiar. Morgoth was a Valar that right. he he was one of the big most powerful spirits and many lesser spirits flocked to his side when he rebelled and Sauron was the most powerful of those um that became his staunchest confidant. Then Sauron was in charge of Angband when Morgoth was in charge of Atumno. The first big war happens. The Valar bring Morgoth back to Valinor. Morgoth is just like, "Oh no, I'm good now." And then, nope, he wasn't, and destroys the trees. Um, then and steals the Silmarils and flees back to Middle Earth. Kills Feanor's father. Yeah. Um, goes in and yeah. takes Angband, and that's why you, he run, he rules from Angband in the Silmarillion then basically Sauron does the exact same thing but to Numenor where um the Numenorians go over which is what we're about to see in the show <clears throat> they travel they beat the they think they beat the crap out of Sauron but Sauron's probably again like doing it on purpose yeah. just so that he can uh destroy the Dan because he knows that or the adane because he knows that um you know, they allied with the elves before and uh, were a big problem for Morgoth, and so he's like, if I can get rid of them separately from the elves, because, like, the rings of power are, like, his way of taking down the elves. He knows he can use man's hubris against men, and so it's it's this whole big overarching plot for him to try and take out all these, the people that would oppose him, and then once that's done, Middle-earth is his just to have, but... Um, he doesn't count on not all of Numenor following him, so, uh, Elendil and Isildur and Anarian, and maybe the daughter in the show, I don't know. Or will she
0: stay with Loverboy?
1: I think she's gonna stay with Loverboy, but, um, Mm. they end up, yeah, they end up going back and founding these kingdoms in Middle-earth.
0: Now, is Anarian, is he... The brother of Isildur? The he brother is the older, we have not seen brother? yet. We haven't older seen him brother. yet. Okay, no, I was... no,
1: no, no. no. We've, had it. We've heard his name mentioned. He was, okay. He's in the
2: West or whatever that means. Um, yeah, he's on, yeah. I was going to mention, I think from the books, I'm not sure if this is like super clear, but actually at this point, I think whenever the Numenorians go to Middle-earth, they actually do defeat Sauron pretty soundly. And it's just to show that, that at this point, they're sort of like unsullied by like um like the the race of men they're just like more powerful and they like live longer lives and so they really do beat sauron and sauron like loses and like you said this is sort of a pattern in tolkien's work that like evil loses to good in a straight up fight but has this like corrupting influence from within that is really powerful um so when he goes to Numenor, he ends up causing their downfall and then later on, yeah. Because yeah. that's that's so. true.
1: Because like a lot of times the Numenorians are referenced um in some of the his other works. It's like he talks about like our pharazon, who's the last king who basically causes the fall of Numenor. Like he's not seen by the descendants of the Numenorians as this evil figure. He's seen as like their most glorious king. Mm-hmm. Um and the Numenorians, like, even though now they're like they're spiritually sort of at their low point. They are, in terms of power, they are at their height. They are the most, like, basically, like you said. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm remembering it, yeah, you're right. Basically, they step foot on Middle Earth, and there's basically nothing that can stand stem. up to them. Um, like I they're... do, I do think that Sauron. I still think Sauron did it intentionally. Like, I think he intentionally lost to try and. He did leave, like, things
2: behind.
0: So, like, the orcs are still plentiful in Middle-earth. Yeah, 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 so, it's, yeah, not like yeah. it's not like they eradicate evil. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah. This is, like, a theme. But like they're able
0: that. to, like, baby push everything back to Mordor and then, like, build Minas Tirith. Yeah. So, it's sort of, like, start... um.
2: yeah, it's just sort of, like, uh, you notice, like, this pattern in um the stories that, like, good starts out as, like, really powerful and, like, just, like, wrecks evil in the beginning of the story. And this is sort of, like, the beginning of the story and, with Sauron. And then they get corrupted and they fall and then they come back and you know there's like the kingdom's last lines of elves men they still win they attack Sauron and beat him yeah. and then again he like corrupts him from within and then comes back with a one ring yeah and then now they're like too weak to beat him right they're like losing at minas tirith or they're almost losing and there's like they can't they can't go in and take him out anymore and they yeah. need sort of like this hail mary sort of play so um, but yeah it's a really yeah. Interesting thing.
1: one thing that we have not seen in the show that i hope we see at some point is umbar
2: umbar umbar oh the southern the oh the pirates yes you're the right Pirate city
1: because yeah, like i yeah, think yeah. the umbar is found actually i thought they placed much later that could be by wrong. the numenoreans like at this point like when they land don't i think they... you're right i think they found umbar
2: like it's their coastal land it's their i think coastal like outpost. port yeah um i do think that like, it's not really become a pirate city until in the no, third no, age. No, no. I it could doesn't be wrong. not become um, a
1: pirate city way later. So, but, but yeah, don't That would be like, interesting. Maybe, maybe we'll see that next episode. You hey. get to see the founding of Umbar, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I always liked Umbar. Just the idea that in this epic fantasy world, there's just a, a city of pirates.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: That Aragorn goes to at some point.
2: Aragorn goes like, pretty much of place in the at some but, point. Yeah. Like, this that whole would be part, cool to see. There's this it whole
0: part in the. In his the early Adventures life. of Aragorn. Aragorn yeah. and Gandalf that'd going and like trying to find
1: Gollum. Yeah, like, yeah. Dude. that'd be a great like animated. There's like show.
2: there's lots of like great off shows. Like you could have like like Lost in the early years or whatever, and Gollum. like some Dolguldur, <laughs>
1: Legolas and eight year old Aragorn beating up pirates. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, there'd be lots of great stories. Yeah, oh, definitely. I f- one thing about the action that kind of bothers me is like one of my favorite fighting scenes from the Lord of the Rings movies is when Aragorn goes up against the Uruk-hai in the fellowship. It's completely Jeez. unrealistic but but it's not like oh sliding and like fancy like swordplay. It's like everything. Yeah, it's like Aragorn yeah. actually actually did like work on like real sword like swordplay like he
1: reflects the dagger and that's not cgi <laughs> that was like a complete fluke really he was supposed to like dodge or something but he actually like managed to deflect it and they're like oh, that's it was like cool. a We're mistake it. yeah he was, was supposed a to mistake. miss with a dagger and then he actually
2: yeah. threw it at an aragorn and he deflected yeah. it that's that's see that's um, the aragorn tribute. i will say that like this is sort of like and to my point of like the difference between like elves and men in middle earth but they're like elves are not like humans they're like super graceful like they're super human abilities Kick and, so, all, and, everything. and they've also <laughs> yeah. been training for like a thousand years so you know yeah. it's like legolas does some yeah cool stunts granted like it does get ridiculous in like the hobbits say where they're like running on air or something <laughs> <can't> and, <laughs> and the dwarves get sometimes ridiculous but uh, i think if man. we see men fighting we should see some more classic action and i, yeah. I didn't think i didn't think it was over the top I you mean, know them fighting the warg or whatever like it was like some cool acrobatics but no, it wasn't yeah. like Super over you, the top, in my you opinion. You have
1: though. the um the fight with uh Halbrand in Numenor. Like that's a pretty gritty fight. That's a pretty, no. That's true. Yeah, like mm-hmm. rough and that's, tumble street brawl. Yeah, that's more
0: like it. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. I do wish we got to see more swords,
0: <laughs> but maybe hope, we just have to wait. <laughs> yeah, dude. Whenever they hit the whenever they hit the island. When, I mean, at least the coast, not necessarily an island. Yeah. Whenever they yeah. bust out that. Blood yeah. sword or whatever. I you know? mean, blood magic get showcase. out the blood sword. Get out, um, Narsil's. It's Narsil. It's gotta it. be Narsil at this point. I wonder if they'll show like at the beginning of this episode,
1: in pulling out Narsil because so it is Narsil. Had a, I had a Do you think thought, that
0: was Narsil in that room?
2: It could have been. I had a thought that Narsil's forged by like a famous dwarf smith. Yeah, in um, the Blue Mountains. But I wonder, was that? Was that when they were still in Numenor, or was it something that Elendil no. got whenever he went to Middle-earth and founded well, the Northern Kingdom? because
1: the guy who forges it is around during the Silmarillion. He's a dwarf in the Blue Mountains. Oh no, yeah, yeah, So I always sort of assumed that it was just, it got passed down from the, before Numenor. See,
2: because I had a thought that, like, maybe we'll see, like, some joining of the different story arcs where, like if they go to middle earth then maybe elendil will meet up with a dwarf and have a sword made they for him they could do or something. that they um, could do that in this it could already be there but i was just yeah. it was a fun. again they don't have the right or his to sword someone. is that sword already yeah that's yeah. possible though i unless like all the swords in numenor are like pretty boss that sword was like eight, it's like the sword is like ridiculous like 6 feet long or
1: something right cuz elendil was like this giant so yeah it's like I mean, a super can... long sword is it described as like? Is it described as a one-handed sword or a two-handed sword in the books? I or is it even remember, described at it all? It's
2: described like as very long. I remember yeah. it's like three and a half or four foot or something. Because Ellen is a giant in the books. Um, he's like seven feet tall.
0: Right. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, that's pretty cool though. Yeah. But what I would look forward to at the end of like the show is like. I think Matt was talking about before is that they will have that last Alliance battle. I think, I think that's that gotta be the end of the show. That could, because that would be something to see. Yes. That I would be great.
2: Especially cause like the fellowship of the ring does a very good job, but it's very short. Right. Yeah. The one thing is that like, and this is like another interesting thought of the show is that it's very interesting to me the way they portrayed Elrond and Galadriel in terms of just like the actors, like they look pretty young and like, and this is the problem with, like, immortal beings, is that, like, that is these characters I've are, like... thought of? So, like, it. already we're almost at the last alliance of elves and men, and Elrond looks very much younger than he does because he's played mm-hmm. by um, Hugo... No, no, what's well, the guy's name? Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving, Hugo we- Weaving well, in yeah. The Lord of the Rings, and well, he looks very middle-aged or whatever. Because, yeah, again,
1: right. I don't know if this show is supposed to be in the same continuity as the movies. That's fair, that's it, fair. It feels like there... It, it feels like... They are setting it up as <laughs> we're not in the same continuity as the movies. Wink. Like it. It.
0: It has that feeling of like where Elrond has bad hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dude, I just want. I honestly like going into it. Really wanted it to be different. I. I just. I don't know. I just. Yeah. I was just. I just think of. I think of like Here's the aesthetics the semi- of the old animated. movies. I feel like the, like this. <laughs> feelings of like the silmarillion and the lord of the rings are very different and so for that reason i'm like thinking like it was interesting things will be different in the way like things will look
2: i even i always found this interesting because the reason i was like they'll never make a silmarillion show because like lord of the rings is like it's the peak of cinematography and that like we portray like the sarnas with this dark lord who's like super tall and it's like how do you portray like morgoth who's even like a bigger bad year like how do you portray the Valar whenever you have like Galadriel as already this like angel who's like glowing and you know Lothlorien in the movie series? But I actually think they've done a pretty good job. Like the trees in Valinor, I was actually pretty impressed with. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, yeah. So
0: um, I think, yeah,
1: I mean, yeah. they're not going to make a Silmarillion show or movie because uh, I think it's his son, Tolkien's son or grandson, really didn't like the movies and vowed never to give up the rights for the Silmarillion. I'm very happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm In kind of happy about it, but I'm good. also... I also really want to see a show. Some you, books not be adapted to the movies. The thing is, yeah. The Silmarillion is a history textbook. So what you do, you could adapt The Children of Huron. You could adapt... Which I would freaking love to see a Children of Huron movie. But you could adapt The Children of Huron. You could adapt The Fall of Gondolin. You could adapt Baron and Luthien. Because those are like the three yeah. big stories that he wrote. Mm-hmm. That he just basically linked together with the other things, but you couldn't make a Silmarillion movie because it would be like, well, this character's in the movie for five minutes, and that was his entire life, like, or like they pass like thousands of years in like a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 In, so, so um, yeah, so. I think that's a big reason why they felt different. But I think in terms of the aesthetics of the show, like they're definitely like, the music is very evocative of the movies and the um the stylings of the dwarves. Like most of the dwarves, if not all of the dwarves, you could have them be in the background shots of the Lonely Mountain. And I could not tell you, I could not point out to you, that one came from the movies and that one came from the show. Like the dwarves are very much in line with how they are in the movies and in the show yeah. yeah. Movies. Even if like story and content are a little bit different, the aesthetics yeah.
2: certainly seem to be in line. And with the so
1: movies. that's what I'm kind of, that's what I'm kind of feeling with them is that like nowhere are they explicitly staying, saying, nothing in the marketing that I saw was like, it's in the same continuity. So I think for that reason, they can do a different version of The Last Alliance of Men and Elves. Um, They're going to end the show with
2: gladriel killing sauron that's what it's gonna be i don't I think, think we're going that would
0: make so many people angry <laughs> <laughs> oh. it's yeah. aria it's, kind of it's of. like it's our own continent. we can do whatever <laughs> we want <laughs> <do yeah. laughs> yeah. oh, oh. Dude, she's not even there right what uh, she's probably there
1: gladriel's probably there all the, right guys elrond right. was sauron the whole time and then gladriel <laughs> kills him with narsil and then oh, yeah. she takes the rings <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Oh, what man. was your question phil though was gladriel there yeah, like at the, the Last Alliance. In the story? Yeah. Yeah, so the Lothlorian does send a contingent to The Last Alliance. Okay. Um, yeah, 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 She. Well, does
1: Lothlorian exist during The Last Alliance? Actually, in It doesn't. Yes. It does?
2: Well, She's already married to Celebrimbor, I think. And at least, I think they're settled already in the... Um, yeah, because maybe, okay. maybe they're not... Maybe they're I know... still <laughs> on... <Aradion>? Wait, you mean... <laughs> Not All right, we're long. going to we're going to hit up the Lord. We'll be back to you guys. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, there's Lotharine, But I do know she in the Second Age she's already married to Celebrim. Or sorry, Celebrim. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Celebrim. Because board is interested in her, but she chooses Celebrim. Oh, really? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, which Lotharine. sort of weird because he's like portrayed as very much older than her in, in this, this yeah. Yeah. series. They probably like skip over that entirely. Huh? She's actually
1: yeah. much older than. Him, yeah, so they're going to bring so. in Celebrim. Isn't there? Is board. there some connection between um, Galadriel and Lothlorien and Thranduil? Like Thranduil is not—he's—he's he's a Wood Elf. He's well, no, he's Thranduil Sindarin. Sindarin. He's—he's so he's, he's different from the Wood Elves that never like. He's—he's he's not Sylvan. He's, he's not Sylvan. Sindarin. He went to Beleriand and he was with Thingol, right? He's somehow connected so to Thingol. So he
2: is not.
1: Thingol is different. Um.
2: But Thranduil like, did know him and yeah, yeah, yeah. styled his own court yeah, and yeah, yeah. kingdom off okay. of Thingol,
1: so, who was a major player in the Silmarillion. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember if there's some connection between, like, Legolas's mother was in Lothlorien at one point, or I could be completely wrong and be thinking I of something else. Maybe I'm thinking think of so. Arwen going to Lothlorien. Arwen and, goes to Lothlorien. That's actually where she meets Aragorn yeah. for the first time That's and right. is smitten with That's him. That's right man gotta get those men you know also
2: gladrail is arwen's granddaughter and so right. grandmother sorry grandmother thank you and <laughs> so her daughter marries elrond which is sort of weird at this point because it almost seems like there might be like they're like friends maybe not a love interest there but like i said in this story it seems like elrond is portrayed as like sort of the same
1: as gladrail and this is like a very big age in yeah mythology, yeah, yeah, yeah. but Hmm. Because, again, Galadriel is, like, several thousand years older than Elrond.
0: I mean, I feel like it's at a certain point, like, oh, like, you hit a thousand years... And like you don't really, don't really look like, any different dude, from the guy like, that's, that's five thousand years old. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At a certain point, it's just like we're all elves. We've no. all been
1: around. Do
2: you think you get it thrown yeah. in an elf prison if you date a girl that's like four thousand years younger? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> you're like,
1: are like. What's no, like, the elven age of consent? That's a real question. Oh my god! Like, they're like all talking and just like we're not uh, going to listen to you. You're only three hundred and fifty thousand years old, no. right? No. Uh, like
2: Legolas is a young elf, and he's like a thousand years old in the time. Yeah, of orderings and so
1: yeah it's the <laughs> the uh the same problem you get in D D with i'm playing the old wizened human wizard who happens to be the youngest member of the party because everyone else is elves and dwarves
0: it's funny thanks everybody for tuning in and hope you enjoyed the show and we'll catch you for the next one thanks for visiting the white city Before you leave, please subscribe to our podcast and check us out at thewhitecitypodcast.com. Consider supporting my movement on Facebook, keeping the rings of power pure.